everybody. Welcome to Adoption Hacks. I'm your co-host, Callie Troyer, and today we're talking with Elena Hall. Elena is a Russian adoptee and author of two books, Through Adopted Eyes and Through Adopted Hearts. Through Adopted Eyes combines Elena's story with a collection of memoirs from adoptees, and Through Adopted Hearts is both a collection of memoirs from birth mothers and adoptive families and also an encouragement for all of us to share our stories. I first met Elena during a book launch, and I was just drawn to her honesty and her humility and her enthusiasm in sharing her story. And once I read her books, I just knew we had to have her on the podcast. Today, Elena is going to talk to us about her experience collecting stories from the triad, how we can hold our child's narrative, and how we can come together as a triad through the power of storytelling. I walked away from this interview so encouraged, and to be honest, I'm not sure how you could ever be around Elena and not be encouraged, and I just can't wait to share her wisdom with you too. So let's get to it. Hey, Elena, welcome to Adoption Hacks. Hey, thanks for having me. We are so excited to have you. I just got to finish your book, and I have been following your page for a while, and I'm just so excited that we get a chance to talk today, Um, and I know your wisdom is going to be so helpful for our listeners as well. Um, so to start out, um, just tell us a little bit about yourself. I am an adoptee from Russia, and I have lived almost my whole life in the wonderful state of Texas. I have a little sister named Laura. She was also adopted from Russia, but we're not blood related. I was adopted at 18 months old, so I was still really little and um, always grown up knowing I was adopted. Uh, really thankful to have a safe and awesome family. And I am the author of Through Adopted Eyes and Through Adopted Hearts. And it's just a collection of a lot of triad, adoption triad stories. And I've just loved to be able to connect with people who know something about adoption, who knew nothing about adoption. It's just been awesome to connect with people uh, through the books. Yes. Well, like I said, I just finished reading both of your books. Well, reread one and then read the other one for the first time. And they were so good and were both encouraging and really challenging. And so when I read it, I was like, oh my goodness, I need to have her on the podcast. So we're going to dive deeper here in just a second. But can you just explain a little bit about the difference between Through Adopted Eyes and Through Adopted Hearts and what led you to write each of those books? So Through Adopted Eyes is from the viewpoint of adoptees. It is my story at the beginning. And I tried to really break down to the core of what makes an adoptee an adoptee, how we think, how we process things. And I just started writing my thoughts, writing my feelings. And I wrote down a list of questions that I have gotten asked so many times. And then I just started thinking about how I'm I'm not the only adoptee in the world. And I wanted to hear from other people. And so I interviewed 50 other adoptees. Our collection of stories and memoirs and thoughts are in Through Adopted Eyes. And I got such good feedback from that book. And so many people wrote that it was helpful and encouraging to them. And I'm so glad you got to read it. And um, so then I went on to Through Adopted Hearts. And Through Adopted Hearts is the same model where I talk a little bit in the beginning. But Through Adopted Hearts is with birth parents and adoptive parents. And since I'm not a member of either of those groups, I really let them kind of take the stage and answer a set of questions. And it it follows very similarly to the first one in format. Um, But it was very emotional to read 
these parent stories because when I was reading the adoptee stories, I was like, yeah, I agree. Or like, oh yeah, that's totally me. Or, oh, I don't think that way, but like way to go adoptees. And to hear from the parents was very interesting. And it's interesting to hear from the people who had a choice in adoption. Yes. And I would say even just as an adoptive parent, I remember reading through them and all of the different stories. And I thought, I really truly thought that when I started the book, like, oh, all of their stories are going to be like mine, right? Like they share the same side of the triad. They're going to have the same thoughts and the same feelings and all of those things. And I read through them and I was like, wow, these are not the same at all. Like they're not even the same as mine. I'm through them at all. Um, And I was just, we'll talk about it a little bit more here in a second, but I just remember that was one of the things that really surprised me like going through it is, wow, these are really different stories. Um, So all of these, um, all of these stories and all the people you talk to, are these all people that you knew before or um, how did you come across um, all of these different members of the triad? That's a great question. And I am amazed it even came together because I just got the idea after graduating from undergrad I just was like, you know what, I need to tell people about what being adopted is like, because I feel like people don't understand what it is. And so I processed all my feelings and are still still processing feelings, but got a lot, lot of stuff down on paper. And I just wrote on Facebook and was like, hey, if you're adopted, message me and let's get something together. I had no idea it was going to be a book. I had no idea what it was. I just kept thinking I cannot be the only adoptee that's annoyed that adoption is so hard to explain to people. And so I got almost instant feedback, which was such a God thing. I literally had no idea that this was happening. And so I just got all these responses almost overnight of people being interested in whatever I was doing. Almost two years later, it was a book and through Adopted Eyes appeared. And I would say, I think I at one point counted, but I think maybe 10 people in the book I've known personally gone to school or church or whatever with. Um, And then The rest of the people were strangers or mutual friends on Facebook, social media, and some of them were really complete strangers that were currently in another country, still live in another country, and just found my post online, um, like Arjun's story. He is this awesome random dude in India, and I got his story, and you know, it's just so cool how social media can connect us. And then the second one, Through Adopted Hearts, it was actually a lot easier to find people for this one because I already had the Through Adopted Eyes social media platform and was trying to build that and get people excited about the book, which I'm so so thankful people were. And the Through Adopted Hearts, it was more of people being like, oh, I'd like to be in this once I announced the second project. So that was really, really cool too. And I actually also knew a couple of those people from my personal life as well. And I'm just so thankful for everyone who shared their stories and hearts in that, both books, um, because it was very cool to see how people told me things that they wouldn't have ever told anybody. And I think that that was because one, it was in written format and they could email it back and it was a very safe space to share because I did allow them to be anonymous if they wanted. But it was also the fact that we all had the same mission and it was to get our stories out there to benefit and educate people about adoption and just what our life experiences have been like. Since again, I think adoption is so misunderstood in media and conversations and how people are so lax about it sometimes. So yeah, I just really wanted to really just wanted to share authentically what at least to me adoption was and get some help from get a lot of help from some people too. I love it. I love how 
you brought all these people together to share their stories and create this resource for other families. Um, so you mentioned just being grateful for just how many people came forward to share their story. And then also just, um, just kind of the emotional journey of walking through, um, hearing from adoptive families. Um, but was there anything else that surprised you just walking through that process, um, writing down your story, and then also um, really kind of sharing life and sharing these stories with other adoptees and adoptive families and birth moms? I think I was pleasantly surprised that, like kind of like what you said, if you really do read all the stories in both of the books, how different each story is and how motivated by the same thing we are. But I mean, every adoption story is different. Every adoptee is different. Every person is different. So I think I was most surprised at just the cool and different ways people express themselves. You know, someone can say like, oh, I like my adoption because, and then say something. And then someone else can say, I hate my adoption because, and it's really cool just to see all the similarities and differences, I guess. Um, I was also surprised at how much I learned from the parent side. Not that I didn't learn from the adoptee side. That's not what I mean. I just mean that the parent side, because that's not my, my position in the triad, it was so cool to hear some of the specific struggles and joys that they have. And I think it was probably most healing for me to hear from birth parents since I am from a closed adoption. I don't think that it will ever be part of my personal story, but to hear from the birth parents in the book, it really made them more human. And I just, I, I just loved hearing from, from everybody, but it was really healing to me to hear from the birth parents and kind of maybe help fill in gaps in my own story. And I would say even as an adoptive parent, like reading some of the stories from the birth mothers, like just gave me, I already like loved our son's birth mom and, and we're in a similar situation with our son because his adoption is closed where he was adopted internationally. Um, but we know who she is, at least, um, like most Korean adoptions these days, we at least have a name um, and the ability to write letters in case, you know, if they ever want to read them. And so it just gave me, I think, a deeper respect and appreciation and kind of, um, and you mentioned this throughout the book too, just kind of breaking down some of those narratives that we carry, even unconsciously carry yeah. about um, the other sides of the triad. Um, and yeah. I just remember I was actually reading it on um, a plane because I was going out of town for work and I just started like crying in the plane. And I was like, well, I'm glad we're social distancing on this plane so no one can see me like totally <laughs> sobbing in I the middle to, of like, my flight. <laughs> I need to add like a, a little like slip of paper in the books to like not read in public places because you're like the fourth person to tell me they balled on a play and reading these books. I'm like, oh gosh, I should put like a little like emotional disturbance. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I, I love that because it, adoption is such a powerful thing that it's, it's only right that it brings about some sort of emotion for people. And, and I think that's why it was so th cathartic to write. I, I talk, I've talked about that a lot, but like writing your story is so powerful and, and sharing your story is so powerful. So that's amazing. I agree. I'm sure that maybe it was a good marketing tool. You know, I'm sure people looked over and were like, Hey, what is she reading? <laughs> 
And I would have shared. I would have just passed it along. Like I was highlighting too, like the stuff that I just really wanted to remember and go back to read. And there were a couple stories like um, in all sides of the triad, but especially there was one story in particular from one of the um, birth moms. And I literally, I think I just highlighted the whole thing. And I was like, I should probably should have just like circled the name or something because now I've highlighted like four pages of the book. So yes, it was so great. Both of us have already mentioned just how different the stories are Uh even among the same side of the triad? Or how do we get to the narratives that each of us carries? Like what actually impacts that story that we each carry? I think that we're all impacted by the want and the drive to be understood and accepted. And again, one of the reasons why I originally did Through Adopted Eyes is because I wanted people to understand what it was like to be adopted. So I think that that really is the root of many adoptee-related issues but just wanted to be understood and wanted to be accepted and it's not that I didn't feel understood or accepted but at the same time it's like I've had so many instances in my life where I, I just wanted to to hold on to someone and kind of explain that even though I see adoption in my personal story as being in my best interest there's still so many layers to adoption and I think that that does drive all of our narratives and I always think that everyone needs to ask themselves what is their why right and what is their purpose and so I'm so thankful that I got to share in the book again going back to the core of what I think about adoption and I think that a lot of people I don't think you have to know your why right away but I think that's why sharing your story and writing it down is so powerful because it helps you kind of come to those answers and, and really just be a healthy way to process all of the feelings that adoption can be. I think that's one of the things that struck me from the book was just this idea, especially in the section um, and through Adopted Eyes, the one question um, that was included in most of the stories about um, who are your real parents or do you like the term real parents? And because um, that's something we hear just as adopted parents all the time, like, well, what happened to his real parents? Or, huh? you know, what do you know about his real parents? And I'm like, well, for starters, that's not for you to know because I don't even know you. <laughs> So that's his story. Um, but I just loved this idea that so many of the adoptee stories included of like, well, they're all real. Like birth families are real. Adoptive families are real. Like feelings of sadness are real. Feelings of joy are real. And we can hold more than one real thing at a time. And I think just as an adoptive parent, that is, it's really like freeing for us too. And like encouraging for us to be able to like, equip our child and to just sit with them and to acknowledge that all of those things can be real and it's not a threat to us as adoptive parents and it's not you know it doesn't mean that that his story doesn't mean anything to him if he has those feelings like they can all be real and they can all be like welcome in this space and um, I love that idea that just was woven all throughout particularly through adopted eyes but then also I go a little bit and through adopted hearts as well I got a, a phone call from a local agency in the area and they asked me to call a fellow Russian adoptee back on the phone about some issues she's had with citizenship. And this has happened a couple of times with different agencies and I'm so thankful that they, uh, they want my assistance or even thought of me, but I called the adoptee and, and she was like, yeah, I really need help with citizenship. And so I was like, okay, let's talk about Russian citizenship. It is very confusing. And she goes, no, 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 my American citizenship. And I said, okay. I said, well, what do you have? And she said, my adoptive mom is refusing to give me my birth certificate, social driver's license, and this lady is older than me. Like, she should have access to her stuff. And 
I asked her, I was like, you know, what's the issue? And she was like, my adoptive parents just feel like if they give me anything for the past, then they lose me. But really they've already lost me because they're refusing to acknowledge what, who I was before them. And it just broke my heart. And I was like, this is why all of the people that are related to adoption, even adoption professionals, especially adoption professionals, but I think anyone that works with adoption or is related to adoption or people that aren't. Literally, I just think everyone should be informed about adoption. But that's why they all need to really talk to other people and understand that any reason for an adoptee to want to reach out and find more information has nothing to do with anybody except the adoptee. That was, yeah, that's something that happened this week. So... Oh my goodness, that just breaks my heart that that is, I I don't know if we'll ever get to meet, like I said, our son's birth mom or not. I would love to, but you know, I don't know if we ever will, but even just like, you know, with foster family and leaving room for them, like, I mean, I looked in their eyes, like I, they took care of our boy for so long and they are like on Mother's Day, we celebrate you know, his birth mom and his foster mom and me. And I think that's one of like the biggest things that can be challenging to adoptive families, but that is so important just even in our story so far is just making room for all of the people. Like there's enough room in the story for all of us um, to be here. Um, so that just breaks my heart so much. About yeah. that. Well, and ultimately like that makes you guys a safe space or an even more safe space for him in the future. And so I think that's great because I mean, and and the people that don't tell their kids they're adopted, I'm like, what are you doing? I just don't want them to find out. I'm like, what? I even at one point asked my parents, like, did y'all ever think of not telling me? And they're like, no, that would be crazy. And then they're also like, but you also weren't born here. So there was like a lot of paperwork and things that would not have made sense. And I don't, they don't look like me or, you know, that kind of thing. But I was, yeah, just, and if y'all are listening and y'all are a parent that has not told your kid, tell them today. There is never like, there's never not an early enough time like start having a normal adoption conversations. Don't make it weird. Right. So shout out to the don't make it weird guys, but yeah. Oh, they're great too. They are one of the, I think they were one of the first accounts we found when we got home Amazing. with our son and we're like, Oh, okay. Like let's learn. Let's do this. Absolutely. <laughs> we thought we knew a lot before we adopted and then we get home and we're like, wow, we still have a long, long way to go <laughs> with learning. So So I actually just recently finished our son's life book. Uh, And for those listeners who maybe haven't started the adoption process or kind of dug into that yet, um, life book's just a way for us to help our son understand his story before us. Uh, Some parents make like a scrapbook or a photo book, just whatever information they have. Um, And going through that process, I'll tell you, it was so hard for me um, because I love to write as well. And just going through that, I love our son's story. I love our story, but just feeling the weight of those words and knowing that what we say and the words that we use are going to help him like craft this narrative that he carries. Um, And so what advice do you have for adoptive parents that are really trying to hold that space between loss and beauty and sorrow and joy, knowing that we are really either intentionally or unintentionally going to craft our child's narrative? Obviously age appropriately, but be honest with your kid. Let the kid lead. And just remember that, especially I feel like with adoptees, any kind of topic that you don't initially think surrounds adoption, but can somehow be related to birth culture, birth heritage, or the past, or something that you just, oh, that could be related to adoption. That kid might be sharing something like, 
you know, I'm, I'm really glad that I have, you know, what if I was like, I'm really glad I have blonde hair. Well, that could be almost a nothing statement for parents. They'd be like, yeah, I'm glad you have blonde hair too, right? Whatever. But for that kid, it could be like, I'm sharing this information because it relates to who I, what I looked like when I was born. And, you know, just like, don't take anything that a kid says, especially surrounding adoption as nothing. And I think it's also the adoptive parent's job to always remain positive about adoption situations because the adoptee through a lot of different arrays of feelings are going to figure out the sadness. They're, they're going to have sadness about it. So I think just always being a positive space. And I, I talk about it in the book too, but like, don't be naively positive about it either though. Um, I think that, like you said, holding space for both joy and pain if we have pain and we've acknowledged where the hurt is coming from, then it makes the joy even better because your joy is coming out of thankfulness and an understanding versus a denial. So yeah, I would just say be positive, be thankful for your kid. And if the kid shares anything that might be related to anything adoption related, uh, if they're from the same, if they were born in the same state, that they were adopted into just like anything that even relates to the state could be like a trigger almost. So, so just anything they say, don't just brush it off and also just check in with your kid. I mean, if you, if some of y'all listening have adopted like an older kid, just check in with them. And, and if they brush off something adoption related one week, they might not think like that the next day. So one of the things that someone had encouraged us when we were working on his life book was just to like leave spaces in the book where he could either even like draw a picture if he wants to imagine what his family looks like or just stop and ask that question. And it feels so obvious on the surface, but it's not something I would have thought about. It just to stop as we're going through the story and say, okay, how are you feeling about this? What are you feeling about this? What stands out to you about what we're talking about? And our son is four um, and is not really in a place developmentally where he is understanding that. So right now we just look at pictures and we kind of name people in this story that we have pictures of. Um, but I am so thankful someone shared that and people are helping us as adoptive families understand that, that some of it is just asking that question and like opening that door for our kids to be able to share. I think that's so awesome and great advice. And especially international adoption, anytime you mention birth culture or birth food or birth country, it's automatically also indirectly relating to adoption. Or anytime you mention adoption, it's also, I also think of Russia at the same time. So it's, you know, it's both. It's almost like people that are international adoption families, they almost have like a second little way to like start the topic if they need to. So, but it works for domestic or other kinds of adoptions too, right? Like I said, like, birth state or birth culture or whatever. There's a lot of different ways to, to build connections with, you know, with family members. When thinking about like how your parents approached Russia and approached your story, was there anything that really stood out as like really helpful for you to embrace that culture um, or to feel like you were part of that culture, both cultures? I am, a, I am genetically Russian fully. And I am fully culturally American and being okay with both of those is perfectly fine. I am not the same kind of identity makeup as someone that even immigrated here from Russia with their Russian family. And so just knowing that it's perfectly fine that I'm an American, but also genetically Russian, I can be proud of both of those things at once. And my parents never said one bad thing about Russia and having souvenirs from Russia was awesome. 
having my parents know enough about the culture to say, oh, I see that about you and kind of relate it to Russian. Like, so even just the blonde hair thing, like obviously Russia is made out of so many different ethnic groups, but from the specific part of Russia I'm from, them saying, oh, you have such pretty blonde hair, just like, you know, just like other Russians. And that was just so sweet. And um, we also always watched the Olympics and cheered for Russia. And yeah, they just did not make it a bad thing at all. And they, and it goes back to the adoption thing is anytime they mention Russia, I'd be reminded of my adoption. Anytime they mention adoption, I'd be thinking about Russia and the country that I have a rights to, but don't at all, you know, so it's a weird it's a very weird dynamic, but it really did take me till college to figure out that it is perfectly fine to be completely culturally American and completely genetically Russian. And that is, that doesn't make me less or more of either. So. So one thing that encouraged me so much in reading your story in both books is your heart for reconciliation and your desire to really see all sides of the triad come together. Um, so I'd love to dig into this a little bit more for our listeners so what does it look like for all of us to come together and how would that impact uh, in your mind, the adoption community? I think one way that each member of the adoption triad can come together is to leave space for things that might contradict their initial impression of a certain person in the triad. So if I automatically think one thing about birth parents and I automatically think one thing about adoptive parents based on my own biases and my left experience and my lived experience, just to not always have that be the default and to be willing to hear everyone's stories. And I think one of the best ways we can come together is to first grow within our triad positions. So just talking to other adoptees and just figuring out what, you know, what everybody likes and what common experiences have been. And because, you know, friendship is, I think C.S. Lewis said friendship is built from the moment someone says, oh, you too. And so, which I love. And so um, having people do that first and making adoption very much of a normal friend group, right? And then going back and looking at adoption as a whole and just kind of just mutual respect for everybody. And again, just stopping and not letting your initial subconscious biases impact what you think. I love it. And I love C.S. Lewis. He's like a big deal in our house. We love C.S. Lewis. Um, All right. So in your charge to readers at the end of Through Adopted Hearts, um, you encouraged all sides of the triad to continue to share their story. Um, So particularly in your work and in your experience, how have you seen storytelling change the adoption community or the families you work with? I think that sharing stories really helps people know that they're not alone. And sharing stories also helps broaden mindsets about specific topics. So if someone's only listened to me as a Russian adoptee, but hasn't even heard my sister's story, then they have another quarter in the bank, right? Like if each each adoptee you talk to is a quarter, just keep adding some quarters, right? Because then you get richer. <laughs> I just made up that analogy, but... <laughs> But yeah, just keep, just keep adding stuff to your, to your piggy bank. And I think that sharing stories also is so brave because I, like I said, I really value and respect everybody who shared their stories in my books or even if who's just have private messaged me or emailed me. It's awesome to see what people will open up to, to another person related then to the adoption community. And then uh, with my professional job, 
sharing stories. As a, as a social worker, there are a lot of strict rules and boundaries about what to self-disclose. And it's just been really awesome to use my perspective as an adoptee to not run the show, but to just inform my decisions. And so to help me become more empathetic and hopefully more unbiased towards certain populations. And I think that every adoption professional, whether they're a social worker or a therapist or a judge, anybody related to adoption really should do their best to again, get their preconceived notions about every triad member out of their head and just learn from everybody. And just, again, just keep adding to their piggy bank. And I think that would just be really valuable because if anything, it makes us more wise about different situations. Cause I had one foster kid who had these certain behaviors, but then I can look at another kid on my caseload who has these certain behaviors. And it's been really cool to talk to both families about, well, for this family, this worked and for that family that worked and, and not going over any, you know, not breaking any boundaries or self-disclosing confidential information, but it's been really cool to be like, you know, I think that's an adoptee theme. And I think, you know, I think they've been impacted that way. So if anything, it's just gaining more knowledge and more wisdom. And again, sharing stories is so cathartic as well for the person sharing. So gaining wisdom for the people listening and really cathartic for the people that are sharing. I think that's one of the things that I loved about the book too, because you even mentioned like just how diverse the stories were. And this person may say, I like adoption because X, Y, and Z, or I hate adoption because of X, Y, and Z. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about your books is just the ability to listen to those stories. And you may not even agree with all of them because clearly like these two stories are very different, but they're still worth listening to and learning yes. from and uh, just sitting with. And so I really appreciated that, just all of the different perspectives and how it just really encouraged me and to just hear from all of those different perspectives as well. Um, Well, any final thoughts or advice for our families that you want to share? I would just say that if you're listening to this and you feel more discouraged than than encouraged, that there is never a bad time to have an awesome conversation with people and just listen. Um, I actually had someone who was like in their sixties message me and they actually went through the questions and through adopted eyes with their adoptee who was 30 years old and they had really strayed in their relationship and they answered the questions together and it literally helped the mom almost like a light bulb went off in her brain. Like, Oh my gosh, this is what you were struggling with when you were five. And then the daughter was able to be like, oh, see, I thought you meant this. And so it was, I mean, that's not even what I designed it for. But the fact that someone took the initiative to um, take charge and and write their own story, essentially with their own family members, I mean, that was, I just cried reading that message. I was just like, how cool. Because it just shows you that if we back up for a second and listen to other people, then that can just be such a healthy thing. And at the end of the day, if you still disagree, that's okay too. I, I didn't even agree with all the adoptees in, in my books, but just being able to share experiences and again, adding coins to your piggy bank is, is so cool and so valuable. So again, if you're listening to this and just feel kind of discouraged, like you've maybe messed up or done something wrong, that's okay. Me too. Everyone has. Um, so don't be afraid to go back and, and restart a relationship or, you know, maybe tell your adoptee that you're sorry or adoptees give your poor parents a break because they have no idea what you're going through. And, uh, you know, and then birth parents, if you're listening to this too, um, thank you so much because I've learned so much from you guys and, and maybe you'll, you know, better understand where the rest of the triad's coming from too. 
Perfect. Well, Lena, this has been so helpful uh, for me, and I know it's going to be helpful with our listeners as well. Um, so if they would also like to find your books or find you after this podcast, um, where can they go to find you? Yeah. So I'm on Amazon. If you just search through Adopted Eyes or through Adopted Hearts, and I have the paperback on Amazon. You can request it through other stores too, but Amazon's the easiest. And then you can also get them through Kindle. And very exciting, but the audible version of Through Adopted Eyes was just released. So you can now listen to me and 50 of my friends who recorded this in our closets during COVID. Uh, you can now listen to Through Adopted Eyes on Audible, which has been such a joy and such a fun project that I'll treasure forever because I got some of my closest friends to do the recordings for those. So just again, to keep confidentiality. So uh, that's been a blast. Um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook, uh, with the same handle through adopted eyes. Please email me, message me. I would, I would love to talk to you guys. So thank you so much for the, for the opportunity. Well, yeah, we will link all of your social media and your website and your books in the show notes for this podcast. Uh, but thank you so much again for joining. Um, and we'll see you next time on the next episode of Adoption. Fire and the